What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talking Hockey. I am Jack Bushman here with my partner, Tony Janaris. Tony, how you doing tonight? Hey, Jack, doing pretty well, better than the Blackhawks. Yeah, that doesn't take much, though. Not, not really saying much <laughs> there. But thank you for joining me, partner. I appreciate it. Um, so today is November 6th, and the Blackhawks, eh, not in a great spot. So to start us off, we are going to recap the Blackhawks' four-game road trip that came to an ugly end last night uh, in San Jose. Hawks finished the road trip with a 1-2-1 and record with a, loss, a couple of those losses being real ugly. So, Tony, we'll start with uh, last Tuesday's 3-0 loss, give a little uh, quick recap of okay. the game to the Nashville Predators where the Hawks were outshot 51-20, to one of the ugliest hockey games I've ever seen. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that pretty much says it all right there. I, I I, mean, they were non-existent for the first 40 minutes. That game could have easily been 8 nothing had it not been Robin Leonard. Once again, Robin Leonard saving the day. I mean, he made 48 saves in a, a 3 nothing shutout loss. <laughs> That's so sad to say. But thank God for Robin Leonard because that game, like, especially to a division rival like Nashville, like, that's just something you don't want to do. So 3 nothing is yeah. honestly, honestly lucky. Yeah, I mean, the team wasn't good. Just, that's putting it mildly. Yeah, I mean, just not really any effort offensively. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had one shot on that in the first period, if I <laughs> recall correctly. Yeah. Like, Super ugly. Uh, Nick Bonino scored all three goals for the natural hat trick. And uh, at the time, that was the Blackhawks' fifth loss in six games. So that yeah. was not uh, an ideal way to start the road trip at all. No, not at all. Honestly, right now, the past few weeks, it reminds me of when Carlton took over last season. That eight-game losing streak. like Horrible losing right streak. To start. Yeah. yeah, that was brutal. We had a pair of those eight-game losing streaks last season, which was yeah. tough. But that's kind of, you know, the effort you're feeling from the Blackhawks is like, oh, here we go again. Like, down 2 nothing in the first, down 3 nothing, you know, and it's like, this has to end because we're, we're trying to be a competitive hockey team here. We have pieces, but at the same time, we're just getting absolutely dominated, and it, it kind of shows when you play a team like the National Predators and get beat that badly, it yeah. shows you how far the Blackhawks are away from being a good team. And you can honestly see it weighing super heavily on the players in their post-game interviews and just whenever they talk to the media. Jonathan Taves is so done with the interviews, dude. He is so pissed. Yeah. Like, answers the same questions every game. Like, he is so frustrated. And, and recently, we've even been seeing it from Kane, who he's yeah. usually, I mean – Win or loss, he's a guy who's pretty calm and collected. He always sounds in his interviews, but he just mm-hmm. seems frustrated, especially with, I mean, an effort last night too. But all these road games, uh, there have been a lot of ugly ones. A lot of ugly ones, Tony. Yeah, I mean, they're basically at rock bottom, so they can only go up from here. That's, that's what I was feeling on, uh, shoot, what day is it today? It's Wednesday. Yeah, that's what I was feeling last night. Tuesday night against uh, San Jose. I was like, this is rock bottom here. Yeah. Like, losing that game, ugh, it was rough. Um, and it, after Nashville, it didn't really even get any better for the Hawks. Like, no. It, it wasn't like, we, all right, we played a, a good team there. We'll bounce, we'll bounce back. The Hawks had a nice break for Halloween <laughs> when they traveled to Los Angeles. And then they played a dreadful Kings team, and they played arguably worse, which was yeah. terrible. Yeah, I, I mean – I'm trying to think of what's causing this. The only thing that I could possibly come up with is that there's so many new players and there is no team chemistry right now. I just don't – I don't get it because this team's just too good on paper to be doing this. Like They are we, better than last season. 
that game against Los Angeles, kind of to talk about that a little bit. Um, it, the Blackhawks were outshot 49-27 to against one of the worst offensive teams in the league. Like, Kings jumped out to a 2 nothing lead, four and a half. As we said against Nashville, down 2 nothing early. It's like, oh, here, you know, here we go again. But this time, it's against one of the worst teams in the NHL, which was really tough to see. Yeah, yeah. Es- I mean... Especially in Boquist's debut, because I think – I mean, you might have been more pumped about that than anybody rocking that Boquist jersey. <laughs> yeah, I've had it since last training camp. Or not this past one, the one before. Yeah, you were all in. But <laughs> that, that yeah, tough one for Boquist there. I mean, at least the Hawks made it close. Uh, one one kind of uh, high we had from that Kings game was that Dominic Kubalik struck his revenge against the Kings, mm-hmm. uh, scored that power play goal. Um, of course, Kubalik was traded away from the Kings uh, last year for a fifth round pick, which is uh, something to smile about in these dark times. Yeah. But he played really well against the Kings. Uh, he had that power play goal um, as the Blackhawks put together uh, an interesting power play grouping of Taze and the four rookies, those four rookies being Kirby Doc, Alex Nylander, Dominic Kubelik, and Adam Boquist. And on their first uh, power play chance together, they, they found the back of the net, which, uh, you know, interesting that the Blackhawks' top power play unit that has, like, a bunch of these weapons are doing worse than this, like, power play group with a bunch of newbies. Like, yeah, it's been troubling. But good to see. I mean, we might have found actually two power play units now that we uh, have at least a little bit of confidence in. Yeah, I mean, it. last season, the first power play was playing the whole two minutes. Now we actually got some guys that can rotate in. That's nice. Yeah, yeah like um, Jeremy has been putting uh, Taze and the four rookies out there sometimes first because yeah. they've, they've been moving the puck clean and fast. And honestly, like, I'm so sick of seeing, like, Patrick Kane stagnant at the right dot, like, trying to find somebody open and nobody <laughs> moving. Like, these guys are moving the puck. They're moving themselves. And that's what it takes to be a good power play. You can't just stand there and expect Showtime to bury 40 a season for you. Right. Right. So and, much. And I think part of the reason why that first power play unit is struggling is their zone entries. Dude, I, I, I can't watch. Why do they do that I can't, drop pass I thing? can't watch the push them back entry anymore, yeah. dude. Like, Tony, if me and you know that's coming, you best believe 30 <laughs> other teams in the NHL know that's coming. Like, yeah, I'm I mean, so sick of it. Like, Eric Gustin takes the puck up ice and then just turns around and passes it to Kane. It's like, here, buddy, go, go, get, go get us in the zone here. So, basically, if you, st- if you stack your defense on that blue line during the Blackhawks power play, you're set. Because the Blackhawks can't – they're not a dump-and-chase team. Like, no. how, how are you going to ask Patrick Kane, Dylan Strome, and Alex DeBrinkett to go win a board battle, like, against rugged defensemen? Like, that's not playing to their strengths. And no. So, that's all defense set to do is they have to go five stacked to the blue line, make the Blackhawks dump it in. Right. And the other team's goalie will go stop the puck, and then someone will fucking ring around. And it happens every damn time. <laughs> and it's like, dude, like – and, and the, the crazy thing about this is, yeah, we've gotten a new head coach – over the last year, but like this has been happening to the power play for I swear to God, like ever since we won the Stanley Cup, it's like, been it's going been the on same since story. I can remember, it's it's troubling, dude, because we have so much talent. Like, and you look at other teams that have good power play success, like Tampa Bay Lightning. You have mm-hmm. Nik- Nikita Kuch. I'm not saying you know I'm not comparing Alex DeBrincat to Stephen Stamkos yeah, on that left side. Yeah, when you have a guy on that right dot that can shoot the puck and pass like lethal options, but can also shoot. You mm-hmm. have to respect his shot, and that's what yeah. opens that cross scene for the one-timer. And the Blackhawks have that ability, but, like, it, it never works. 
which yeah, they're, it, they're it trying to. to force the same thing too much. It's the difference between a, a good power play and a very mediocre one, which is ours. Yeah, I mean, you can try to copy the Ovechkin play, the weak side play, but it's only going to work so many times. Yeah, Alex DeBrinkett still needs uh, to work on that one timer because I've seen him fan at least a half dozen times already this season. Yeah, so no Ovechkin, but we could work on it. <laughs> one day, we'll keep, our, we'll keep our fingers crossed there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it was good to see. Uh, Tays in the four rookie strike. And then uh, going back to Kubalik uh, against his former team, he forced uh, Jack Campbell into uh, that bad turnover where he pretty much just like gave passed it to David Camp for a wide yeah. open net. I don't really know what that was, but that's like a David Camp goal written all over it. Mm-hmm. So Blackhawks got back in the game there. Um, this one, uh, as usual for the Blackhawks, it went to overtime. And so it, at least the Hawks were able to come out with a, a point, but um, against a Kings team that they had beaten really badly, five to one the week prior, it was yeah. tough to watch that. Uh, watch Dowdy tap in that OT winner f- for uh, Los Angeles. It was a sad way to lose to a lowly Kings team, Tony. Yeah, I mean th- that really tells you where the team stands right now. It's not great, but I mean forty nine yeah. forty nine to twenty seven against the Kings and shots and goal is is not yeah. good. Like no, and, and then again, like it, it's a different type of loss like then to Nashville we just got clean beat and I mean Los Angeles we, we pretty much got clean beat too but it's against a bad team which shows you even more how far these Hawks still have to come in order to be a good team like I, I know it's a road game and anything goes but looking at our roster and looking at the the, the Kings have no depth defensively like none. none they have literally none so like to put 28 seven or 27 shots on them like it's really frustrating and it's Jack Campbell <laughs> Jonathan Quick has been so bad for them this year. Uh, yeah, have they, you seen his numbers? His save percentage is like in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Jonathan Quick has fallen off, but Jet Campbell is not really an all star yeah, either. No, exactly. So we should be able to do more than what we did. Um, it was nice to see uh, Taze and Kane connect for that late goal to force overtime. Taze, clutch. Taze needed that one badly, man. At, at the time, that was just his second goal of the season, and, and the yeah. first one bounced in off his leg. And it was yeah. his third point, third point, and his only other point before that came on a secondary assist on an empty netter. So, like, the two worst ways to pick up mm-hmm. points, he finally found the back of the net, which was good to see. Yeah. Uh, but, unfortunately, couldn't uh, complete the comeback. But it, it, right when, you know, like the Blackhawks played terrible against the Kings team, they carried some of that momentum over to uh, – Sunday night's game against a nine and six Ducks team, which is just like, all right, of course, you know, we play to the level of our competition, of course. Mm -hmm. So after two pretty bad losses, the Hawks put together one of their better efforts of the season to uh, come away with gigantic two points at the time against the Ducks. And want to talk definitely about Adam Boquist, absolutely rifling one off the post and in for his first NHL goal uh, against Ryan Miller. That was, that was awesome to see right there. Yeah. I, Adam Boquist, he's great offensively. He knows where to be. Positioning is great. Um, and great shot. His positioning was awesome on, on that play specifically. Uh, Nylander had the puck be behind the goal, and the forward went down low in front of the net to provide support in front of the net, and Boquist read it like a book. Like He jumped right up in the high slot because he saw the forward yeah. going down, found that shot, just absolutely ripped it. I, we know he's got a rocket. Like Yeah. That goal, do you remember the goal against Detroit this preseason where he wrapped around the net and just 
housed it well high. I was <laughs> and like, he, this kid's going to be he, a fucking yeah, stud. And he wasn't even, like, in great position to fire that one off, too. No, he, saw he just how right, hard like he that, shot it. That dude can shoot the puck. So, yeah, yeah. congrats, Adam Boquist there on his first NHL goal. Couldn't have been more of a beauty off the post and yeah. in glove side. Absolutely beautiful. That I mean, that's why we drafted him eighth overall right there. Yes, the first goal of many. Absolutely. I mean, it's so it, it's so crazy to see Kirby and Volquist in the NHL, man. Like, it's it, it happens yeah. so fast. Like, all of a sudden, they're here. Like, holy shit, you know? Like, <laughs> I didn't even yeah. know if Doc was going to make the team. Like, I thought he was going to be in Sas, uh, Sas, Saskatoon. Saskatchewan. It's a toughie there. Uh, and then Volquist, I mean, I, I thought we'd see him at some point, but I didn't think we'd see him, you know – 10 games in, but here we are. No. And, I, and they both have been impressive. They which both awesome. look like they belong. Which which is exactly what you want. Making the decision tough. I mean, Doc's future's already, he's going to be here for the long run. But He'll be here. Yeah. Boquist hasn't made it easy either. And uh, that's something we'll get to in a little bit, that defensive decisions. But to mm-hmm. get back to the Ducks game a little bit, um, Hawks took a 2 nothing lead. Patty Kane, beautiful cross-crease pass to the Brinkett for the 5-on-3 power play. Yeah. Uh, but after that, we kind of did see the ice tilt in the Ducks' favor. But but that is kind of what you expect from, you know, an actual good hockey team when they're down two goals. Unlike us, when we're down two goals, we just <laughs> fall on our face. You know, actual good teams are going to, you know, have some desperation and uh, be jumping into plays. So uh, the inevitable, inevitable kind of couldn't be avoided. The Ducks did manage to tie the game. Uh, Leonard wasn't net, though, and he, he played terrific again. The, the first goal... Uh, it was just a redirect that bounced in off Olimata, uh, mm-hmm. shot from the blue line. And then the second one was on the Ducks' power play, um, which snapped the Blackhawks' streak of 15 consecutive penalties killed, Tony. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. the Blackhawks' PK has been figuring out lately. They're up to 19th in the league at an 80.4 uh, kill percentage. So, yeah, they've been better nice as see. of late. Yeah, they've been putting together uh, – some good kills, winning some face-offs, which is gigantic. That was really killing yeah. us last season because only one that could go out there and win a draw was Taze. And we've seen uh, a lot of good in the face-off dot from Ryan Carpenter so far. So good to see that the Blackhawks put together 15 consecutive kills uh, at that time. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, one just, you know, found a way to sneak by Leonard. But, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, if we could put together 50 consecutive kills, one's going to go in every now and then. We'll take it. Most of the PK success should go to Robin Leonard. Oh yeah, he's he's been the best best penalty killer most times. Yeah, the, he stands the, on his head. He is, he just he needs to start a lot of these games going forward. I feel like he has taken the starter's position into his own hands. He's definitely separated himself. Like Corey Crawford hasn't been terrible, hasn't been great, no. but hasn't been terrible. But Robin Leonard's been great, like every every night. He's consistent right now. Yeah. Yeah, so good to see Leonard um, continuing to play strong. And uh, good teams, their best penalty killer is their goaltender. So that's at least a step in the right direction there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to no one's surprise against the Ducks, overtime was uh, needed yet again. Blackhawks seem to always be playing in overtime. Uh, and one finally won our way. It didn't take long for the Blackhawks to seal the deal as Johnny Taze made a beautiful backdoor feed to find – Patty Kane for the game winner, which was a vintage hookup between the two superstars. Yeah, um, it's nice to see those two starting to click because we've gotten nothing from them for I don't know how many games now. 
Yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, I think the plan coming out of uh, training camp in the preseason was that you want Stroman, or Stroman to bring it on the second line. You want Taze and Kane on the first line, mm-hmm. but they really didn't do all that much together. And no. when Taze has been on the top power play unit this year, they haven't done all that much either. So, I mean, it was just three on three overtime, but at least we saw them put something together there. Hopefully, you know, they're, that connection can build some chemistry because we need Johnny on the power play in front of the net yeah. and down low. Like that gives us a whole nother option and we can feed him down low and teams fear that. So, yeah. So yeah, with that victory, uh, that was the Blackhawks first road victory of the season. Sadly, yeah, not good. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, you know, Jeremy Colleton after the game was talking uh, and, and before the game last night against uh, San Jose, uh, he was talking about how, you know, this is a big opportunity for us to get the ball rolling, get it moving. We can come out of this road trip 2-1-1, one, and one, uh, get five points out of eight with your uh, head held high. Mm-hmm. And really the exact opposite happened last night uh, in the embarrassing, embarrassing 4-2 to two loss to the previously last place San Jose Sharks who coming into the game – they had lost five in a row and held a four, ten, and one record. So not good. So the Sharks are bad. What does that make the Blackhawks? Atrocious. Like, <laughs> and it, it was just an ugly overall effort. Like, what did the Blackhawks do after a strong three-two victory against a good team? Fall right back where they were. Like, San yeah. Jose dominated the first forty minutes. The Blackhawks had three shots on goal in the first. Uh, 20 minutes and eight through 40 like that's just not acceptable like flat out not acceptable yeah I mean how much of that goes to the players and how much of that goes to the coaching it's it's tough it's it's just frustrating that we have talent on this team and especially offensively like yeah maybe we saw the defensive struggles coming but this offense like top to bottom like we have Andrew Shaw on the fourth line, Drake Kajula on the fourth line, who at times last season was playing on the Blackhawks' top line with yeah. Hayes and Kane. Like, we have depth there, but it looks like we have absolutely none. And the scary part about that to me, too, is looking at the Sharks team, let me remind you, like, the Sharks, besides the top pairing of Vlasic and Carlson, they do not have a strong rest of their defense. Like, yeah. that, is, that is not a solid defensive team. There's a reason they're 4-10-1, and it's not, you know – it's not because their offense doesn't have any pieces. It's because they don't have any real defense besides Vlasic and Carlson on the top pairing. They, they have Brent Burns, yeah. yeah, but he's not someone that's winning the Norris Trophy because of his defense. Like, Yeah, yeah. I feel like the Sharks' defense is about on par with the Blackhawks. And we didn't do anything against them. No. Like, it was, it was terrible. So, so to kind of get in the game a little bit uh, – Patrick Marlowe was credited with the first goal uh, in his 800th consecutive game, which is pretty impressive for the old man there. Yeah. Uh, but he got inside position on Brent Seabrook, which uh, tough to see because Seabrook recently out of the lineup talking to the media, he knows he's been struggling and he knows he's been on there for, he's been on the ice for some goals against. And here was just uh, another situation where he just flat out got bad positioning and it cost the Blackhawks a goal. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of shows you that Carlton wasn't wrong for scratching him. I, I, I don't think he's wrong. I think, uh, I think maybe scratching him back-to-back games wasn't the best choice because right. that's going to piss off Siebes. But at the same time, scratching Siebes once out of every eight, nine games, I don't have a complaint there. 
Like no, no, not think, if he keeps playing like last night. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't great all around for the defense. Uh, tough to see Seabrook be on the wrong end of that one. Um, but, uh, not the Blackhawks. The Sharks made it two nothing uh, as Adam Boquist made his first kind of real mistake of his first stint in the NHL by poorly judging the puck as it rang around the boards while the Blackhawks were on the power play, um, giving Evander Kane a breakaway to make it two nothing. But kind of, you know, Adam Boquist is a 19 year old rookie. He's gonna make those mistakes. Yeah, that comes with the territory, I think. When you're a rookie, you're not going to be perfect. You're still learning how to play in the NHL. Yeah, that's just something that, uh, I mean, he's going to grow into. He's going to know how the puck bounces. He's going to learn more and more as he goes on. And just kind of a poor judgment play. Now, it wasn't like it was a poor effort by Boquist. Yeah. He just made a bad decision. It was just something where he wasn't expecting the puck to go that way because of lack of experience, and it just so happened to cost the Blackhawks, which was unfortunate. Yeah, I mean – his defense is no worse than Gustafson. Yeah, I mean, through it's only been three games. It's a short stint. But Adam Boquist, has, he, he's going to make the Blackhawks' decision tough once Connor Murphy gets back. And yeah. I think that's what, all you can really ask from uh, a 19-year-old kid that has, what, he played six games in Rockford, so nine games of professional-level experience. Like, mm-hmm. these mistakes are going to happen. So it's just kind of part of the process, and you have to understand – if you want to play Boquist in a role where uh, you want the most out of him, you have to understand that sometimes these things are going to happen. And I think that's okay. You know? Yeah. I feel like since he has been called up, he's given the team a little lift in, he, like the, in their energy levels and stuff. He's quick out of the back end. I like his decision-making. Uh, I love his shot. Absolutely love it from the back end because we have a lot of guys, Keith and Seabrook, who love to miss the net. Love to miss the net from the. And they line. also like shooting into defense into like the opponent's Yo, defenders. Seventy five, seventy five percent of Keith's shots are blocked. Let me tell you. Yeah, it's rough. So he he's moving and yeah, absolutely. And he's honestly been better in the defensive zone than I thought. And, and yeah, one yeah. thing that was interesting too is I saw in his first game he. Uh, it might it might have been a little generous as the hits column can be sometimes, but they gave him mm-hmm. three hits in his NHL debut. I was like, damn, look at this little guy bumping around. <laughs> yeah, I right? Thought, yeah, I did not think he was going to be doing that. So, you know, no. he's kind of been what we've expected, and I'd say a little more at this point. Yeah, yeah. So far, I'm looking at his stats right now. He's He still has three hits, so he didn't hit anyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have been, <laughs> been a generous day. That might have given, yeah. given the guy a little help in his debut. He is averaging 15.42, though, on yeah, ice time. They, they've been playing him. They, they have been playing him, which I, I like. I mean, if you're going to have him here, you might as well use him. Yeah, um, and playing alongside Keith doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not, not really uh, any better mentor you could have pairing alongside a 19-year-old kid learning how to, uh, learn how to uh, handle, uh, handle the NHL and its yeah. grind. But, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, – hmm. I, it was always oh, against the Ducks. Yes, it was against the Ducks. I saw uh, that Boquist was on the ice for 16 shot attempts for and seven against. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure how it was last night. It probably wasn't great because the Hawks played like crap. But <laughs> it was nice to see that um, he was, you know, the defense is going to be the part where people are always going to question him. They're not going to question That's, his offensive yeah. abilities. That's and a when, work in progress. Exactly. And when in his second NHL game, when he's, you know, holding down the fort, basically, mm-hmm. 
uh, in the defensive zone, which is something we didn't expect him to do. Um, you know, that, that's props to him, props to the kid for being able to handle his own so fast, which is awesome to see. Yeah, the Blackhawks definitely drafted a great one. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for his future. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, his mistake cost the Blackhawks a goal. It happens, not the end of the mm-hmm. world. Uh, but after the King or the Kings, after the Sharks made it three nothing, we saw a little bit by the Blackhawks, but uh, the whole time I just knew it was too little too late. Um, yeah. We saw uh, Taze and Saad connect for a nice goal in front of the net, which is significant because Johnny has been playing better his last three games. Uh, he had a yeah. rough he had a rough six-game stretch there where he didn't record a point. So nice to see him get involved. Sodder has been uh, very good. So nice to see him redirect that one. And then mm-hmm. a little over a minute later, we saw Duncan Keith wire one uh, wire back and slap one past Martin Jones for Keith's first goal of the season. Didn't uh, wasn't sure how long it was going to be till Keith struck for the first time. But I'm glad to see it wasn't in his like 40 or 50th game. That's kind of <laughs> what I was expecting. Yeah. So good to see uh, Keith find the back of the net, but uh, all this would be for naught though, as the Blackhawks would allow an empty netter just 28 seconds later. And with the loss, Tony, the Blackhawks currently sit at four, seven, and three through 14 games, an unacceptable start and um, a, a start that I don't think anyone really saw coming. No, I mean if you look, take a look one year ago, they're worse off so far right now. And and that's the troubling part is Jeremy Calton got hired literally one year ago and the Blackhawks are in a worse spot. And that's like worst nightmare thing. Like the Blackhawks should be a team at worst right now, middle of the pack, but trending in the right direction because of all the talent they have. And it's the, it's yeah. the exact opposite. We're trending in the wrong direction because our talent can't put it together. And people are calling for Jeremy Calton to be fired here and, I don't think that's unreasonable because, as Patrick Kane described the season after the game, it's been one step forward and two steps back. Yeah, and on a regular basis, too. They look great some games, then other games they look like they're playing in the wrong league. <laughs> Absolutely. like uh, We play good against a 9-6 and six Ducks team that have been good at home, get away with mm-hmm. two points, and then against the Kings and the Sharks, two of the bottom teams in the Western Conference who are even lower than we are right now. We absolutely embarrass ourselves, and like just like you said, we don't look like an NHL team sometimes, and that's the most concerning part because our offense certainly has NHL pieces. Yeah, and you think the team would be in a better spot right now just because there have been more overall upgrades to the roster, but I think part of it is due to low team chemistry, and part of it – lies on the coaches it, absolutely it has to lie on Colleton because looking at the Blackhawks offense now the lines to me have been pretty good recently with the top line of Nylander Taysad and then DeBrinket Strom Kane on the second yeah. line I think we can all agree that's probably our best bet with that top six yeah I think this is probably the best combination that's what I'm thinking too and and pieces have been good like Brandon Saad has arguably been the Blackhawks best player this season and and Mm -hmm. Alex Nylander has quietly recorded seven points in 13 games so like those guys are doing well but we haven't seen it consistent enough and and that's that's when you start to have to say we have pieces here at at some time you have to start questioning if Jeremy Colleton's system is NHL effective. 
Yeah, I'm looking at some of the plus minuses. I know it's not a great stat, but just to get an idea. Um, Kane, he's sitting at minus five. Is he the worst on the team? Brink, it's at. Is Kane the worst on the team? Do you know? He... No, Seabrook is the worst. <laughs> minus six. <laughs> So God that's not surprising. <laughs> no. And then uh, Tez is not far behind it, a minus four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's rough. And those, you know, are the two guys that you want producing the most offense for you, and they're on the wrong end of the totem pole there. Yeah, I mean, you, you can only play this bad for so long before somebody someone, snaps. And someone before <laughs> someone has to take the blame, and, it, and you know, it, it costs somebody their job there. And. I think the Blackhawks, yeah. they're going to do everything in their power to keep Colleton because they, they, want to, they want to be right about him. And as they should, as they should, yeah. because they made a bold decision to fire Joel Quenville. And they want to be right about Colleton. But at the same time, Tony, if we're 25, 30 games into the season and we're still having these fall-flat moments against bad teams consistently yeah. – Someone's going to have to go there. Like someone has to take the blame because this team has too much, too much potential and talent to be doing this. Yeah. I mean, you can only lose for so long until you're out of the race. Absolutely. And this is a market that demands winning. I mean, Blackhawks fans, they're no cakewalk. They're not easy. Like they're, they're, they're out for blood right now because this team hasn't been even close to, uh, what we were expecting coming into a full training camp and preseason for Jeremy Colleton, it's like we, we kind of talked about this uh, not too long ago, Tony. It's like Jeremy Colleton got more out of less last season. Yeah, it, it's so weird that he was more successful last season with a far inferior roster. I, I know, and, y- you know, I don't think anything significantly changed this offseason with, like, his – systematic approach to the game like especially offensively like offensively we were rifling at some points last season like Kane and DeBrinket were yeah. they resurrected that power play there for like a month we were arguably the best team uh, on the power play in the league Gustafson was yeah. rolling and now it's literally the polar opposite when it should be like it should be rolling yeah. at all cylinders with what we got in a full off season there yeah I think I don't know if this how big of a factor it is, but Gustafson's fall off is extremely dramatic. Like you significant, like it's night and day. Absolutely. I mean, he's done basically nothing for the power play. And that's like yeah. the one area where we're like, All right, bud, we got you here to do this. Like we know you're shit in our own zone, but if you're if you're <laughs> producing fifty to sixty points on the power play, we almost got no choice but to keep you. And he has yeah. given the Blackhawks yeah. no reason to feel confident in him. And, and it's really costing yeah. the offense because in a time where we're struggling to score goals, we need our power play, like need our power play. And that just hasn't been the case right. this season. Like the bottom six has been arguably our best lines, which just can't. Like I know we have depth, but that yeah. can't happen. <laughs> right. It's like the bottom six is playing like a top six. It's super We confusing. saw it again last night. Like our uh, the fourth line of uh Kajula Carpenter Shaw was arguably the best line. Like Shaw had the best stat line of all our forwards last night. He was plus two on the ice for both goals scored on the ice for none against um had an assist and led the team in shots on goal while Jonathan Taze is a minus three and I'm like Jesus Christ like this just can't <laughs> be happening. Like we can't have our fourth line be doing all the work here. Like it's 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 a yeah. nice thing to have when you have the whole team rolling, but it can't just be the fourth yeah. line doing all the work here. Like that's just sad. 
like it's great that they're performing the bottom six, but they can't carry a team. Absolutely, and we need we need power play help, just like you said. And Gustafson hasn't getting the job done. The power play has been a, a little better of late now that we kind of have two units we can go to, but they are still twenty eighth yeah. in the NHL at eleven point nine percent. Uh, and, and we talked about this in, in the last episode. If the Blackhawks want to be a good hockey team, they have to be good in the special teams department. And, and we've seen it get better in the penalty kill, but the power play has been like 75% of the time they do nothing. Yeah, it, it's really hard to understand like what's the root cause of the struggle. Yeah, the power play, they need to carry their own weight here because in a time where – Offense isn't coming the way we want it to. The, if the power play to be 28 yeah. is a real tough pill to swallow. Honestly, put pucks on that, see what happens, crash the net, do something. I know, and it's tough because a lot of our best players just don't play that style. It's so tough. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to criticize the kid, but Dylan Strom needs to start playing like a grown man. Like, if you're playing, like, if you're playing between. Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane, two guys that aren't physical. They're not going to be checking yeah. guys and winning these board battles all the time. Dylan Strom needs to be that guy. Like when Panarin and Kane were, you know, wheeling and dealing a couple years ago, Artem Anisimov was a perfect fit there because he just went to the front of the net yeah. and tapped everything home. Like Dylan Strom yeah. has an opportunity for gold out here right now, but he only has seven points in 13 games, 14 games. And it's just not good enough. Right. It's not good enough. He's, He's about six three two hundred. That is a perfectly fine size to get to the front. Like of the I know net. you're twenty two years old. I'm twenty two, and I don't want to go to the front of the net against grown men. But like <laughs> you got to do it, bud. You want you want you want to make you know, millions here. Do you know how many goals he would make have if he did that, dude? He he's just got to get there. Yeah. And also speaking of Dylan Strom. He's up for a contract. I know, and it's a long. He's not doing it's anything. It's a long season here, but right now he hasn't. Like this is the contract year right here. Like he took a yeah. gamble on himself by not signing before this season, and it's mm-hmm. looking like he got a pair of twos or something out of the out of the deck. <laughs> it's not looking. It's not looking good for him right now because he has not been the aggressive second line center that we traded Nick Schmaltz away for. And we saw it last year, yeah. but we haven't seen it really at all this year. He, he had that one good game against the Kings where he had two goals and an assist. But besides that, he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of been a ghost. I'll, I will give Strum a little bit of leeway here because he was separated from Zubrinkit for a while this season. He, he, he was. But now that they're back together, we need to see more, especially right now. Like, this yeah. is dire go time right here, right now. Like, it's, yeah. it's now or never because we're 4-7-3. Four wins through the first fourteen games, and only two have come in regulation. Like this is concerning. There, it's it's just not where we need this organization to be. And the Blackhawks need to start playing with some desperation before people are going to start losing their jobs. Yeah, and also if they don't lose their jobs, they might be traded. exactly. It's if people aren't stepping up to the plate and delivering what you know we know this team can do. Something has to change, and those changes could be, you know, a little, a little much sometimes. But if it's not working, you can't, you can't keep going with it. So right. it's tough to see the Blackhawks' offense that has so much talent produce so little so far. 
it's it's been really tough but uh, enough about that i'm kind of over <laughs> over talking about those struggles <laughs> yeah i uh, want to talk about something that will make us a li- uh at least a little bit cheerful uh i said we were going to come back and talk about uh kirby doc and adam boquist and the kids so i kind of wanted mm-hmm. to take a little time here to talk about uh the the two youngins that have uh been impressive with the blackhawks so far kirby doc just seems like he gets more and more confident with each game. He has been quiet offensively lately, but it seems like he's willing to do more and just more comfortable in situations. Yeah, I'm looking at Doc's stats right now. He has three points in nine games. Yep. But he is also only averaging 11-21. Yeah, and um, I think that's a little low. I know Colleton said that yeah. he's probably going to be playing in that 10 to 12 minute area because they just don't want to rush him into like a role that he doesn't want yet. I think he mm-hmm. needs to be more at the 14 minute mark, I think would be nice, but yeah. um, definitely has been one of our more notice. I mean, I watch Kirby doc every time he's on the ice. I have to, but he has been one of the more mm-hmm. noticeable forwards. Like he moves the puck. Well, he's willing to take chances and um, he has been, you know, for an 18-year-old kid that was just drafted this summer in, in his first professional games here, uh, he has been fairly impressive. He, he's been quiet lately, but yeah. he's handled his own. And also, I think one thing that's been impressive is I think I've seen Kirby Doc been hit hard like six or seven times now, and he just gets up every time. Like, he just eats them. That, he just yeah. eats them. I love the kid. <laughs> uh, did, by chance did you hear his spin chicklets that came out a couple days ago yeah about his draft yeah he had a good spin chicklets interview they had him on and he was a beauty on the episode he was so relaxed which is great like not an uptight kid he's very open very like energetic and talkative he, about the situation he has a veteran presence he does with every interview he's so calm and that's so crazy about these kids coming up nowadays is like they're already pros like They've just been trained to just be men and head down, go to work, not too high on the highs, not too low on the lows. It's just business. Yeah. It's just business. I love it. Give me all the reasons in the world to feel confident that Kirby Doc belongs in the NHL for the rest of the season. Yeah, I and I think it was the right call to keep him for the full yeah, season. Yeah, we talked about that on the last episode. Um, we both agreed that uh, – a return to juniors, it wouldn't be the worst thing for Doc, but the best mm-hmm. thing for him would to be to learn through NHL experience. And I think the Blackhawks, at the end of the day, they saw that he may be not 100% ready, but he was more ready than not. And I think it was a good uh, a risk for them to take. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely going to learn the game at his own pace. They're not giving, They're not overloading him, which is good. Um, he is getting a chance to work with Taze, Kane, some of the veterans. Um, playing in the NHL is going to be a good experience for him because he's going to learn the speed and the physicality. Uh, he wouldn't get that in Saskatoon. Definitely not. And, and I know it's not coming at the best of times for the Blackhawks, but sometimes you just kind of have to learn to lose. Like, yeah, you have to understand that you know, yeah, probably the last four or five years for him, he's just been a stud dominating wherever he plays. It, it's mm-hmm. it's some like if you're mentally tough enough, which we've definitely seen from Doc, he's very mentally tough, yeah. very calm and collected. 
if you're mentally tough enough, sometimes the best thing for you is to throw in a situation where you're not going to have all that much success. And you have to learn how hard you have to work just to get to the level where some of these guys are. And I think that was the best decision for Kirby Doc right there. Yeah. At some point, you're going to get tired of being kicked while you're down. Exactly. And you, you just got to fight through it because no one's going to hand you anything in this league. You have to earn it. You have to no. earn it. This, is, this isn't the juniors where you're going to be thrown ice time just because you're a freaking stud. Like, yeah, Kirby, we know you're drafted third overall, but if you're playing like shit out there, you're going to hit the bench, bud. And, and yeah. that, that's, you know, it's a biz, it's business, you know, we're in the NHL now. It's a winning business. It's a, what have you done for me now business. And, it's something that Kirby's yeah. going to have to adapt to, but I think adapting to it early is better than waiting. And, and it's going to come with struggles, just like with Bulquist, but you have to take that and use it as motivation and uh, sit down in the film room and understand what you can do different and whatnot. And it's just different at the NHL level, which is good. It's a right. good difference. So I think that was definitely the right decision with Kirby Doc. Yeah, and he displays great on-ice awareness, too. He knows where to be, where to look. Yeah, he, he's a smart kid. With he's the a puck. smart kid. Certainly, yeah. I, he's, he has a great future ahead of definitely. him. Definitely. Um, with all the size and that offensive ability, it, it's, it's awesome to see because the Blackhawks haven't had, you know, size like that in a long time. Uh, he, no. he struggled at the faceoff dot. He's 32%, but, I mean, 18-year-old kid that's so raw, you know, that's going to happen. He's got Johnny Taze, one of the best faceoff guys in the league to learn from for years. So it's not something to be yeah. worried about by any means. Um, what are your opinions on uh, Doc on the third line with Kubalik and Camp? Where you think he that's a good fit for him, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a good fit as of right now. He's not getting too much ice time, but he's getting enough to learn. And the guys on his on both sides of him are a good complement to his game. I think so too. I think um, Dominic Kubalik is the offense you want Doc playing with. And David yeah. Kampf is one of those guys that is known for more of his back-checking. Uh, but, but Doc's an offensive guy, and so is Kubalik, so he's going to be a guy that's just going to go to the front of the net, which you need. But, but yeah. uh, Kampf plays that full 200-foot game. I think that's, that's good for someone to have at center and kind of show Kirby Doc, you know, these are the responsibilities we have, yada, yada, yada. So mm-hmm. I think that is a good fit. I do think we um, – I think – his time will continue to go up a little bit more and a little bit more, especially if this second power play unit continues to have uh, success because they're going to play more and more, which means Kirby's going to play more and more. Yeah. Um, I think the third line's fine for him right now. Yeah. I, I think that's an okay starting spot for him. Uh, I, I do. Um, you know, as we get into the latter half of the season, I do want to see him more, you know, uh, when we're in games where we're not really get the offense rolling or um, yeah. the lines are struggling, I would like to see him, you know, mixed up and go jump up in that top six and, and receive more time. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, I mean, we still haven't seen everything that he can do. Absolutely. I feel I feel like he's giving us a little bit, but not the full Kirby Doc. And, and it's hard to when I mean, yeah, we said he's averaging uh, eleven or so. Eleven twenty one. But that's only been going yes. up like the last couple of games. Like those first few games there, he was playing like seven, eight, nine minutes. So yeah. I think that's uh, steadily going to increase. Um, but let these guy young guys get the puck and do their yeah, thing. Yeah, it can't get worse than what we're seeing right now. No, here, you know? not at so all. sometimes you gotta let the dog off the leash and let him run. And I think yeah. that's kind of a similar thing we could see with Adam Boquist. Uh, talking about Boquist now, he's 
only been up for three games, a short stint. But as we said, I kind of feel like Boquist could do what Gustafson does already. He's basically as good as Gustafson right now. Maybe even better. He's He could possibly be already a defensive upgrade. Uh, I, yeah, I, which is it's troubling. <laughs> it's only been three games. But, I mean... Yeah. Bokus has been decent in the defensive zone so far, and really only one mistake, which was just a lack of experience on Evander Kane's breakaway goal. Um, yeah. So I think Bokwist has been definitely better than what I expected in the defensive zone. And um, he moves the puck quick and makes, for the most part, good decisions. And I think that's going mm-hmm. to make it tough uh, on the Blackhawks once – uh, Connor Murphy gets back from injury. We did just see Dennis Gilbert get sent back to Rockford earlier tonight. Yeah. So the Blackhawks do have seven men currently on their roster. Um, but once Connor Murphy gets back, that means they have eight once again. And that's going to make for some tough decisions because kind of the easy choice is to waive Slater Cuckoo to send him to Rockford, but he's been fairly good Mm -hmm. this season. Like, I think he's someone we could like in a seventh defenseman role. And also if we waive him, I think he's someone that someone could take a chance on. Just like Winnipeg did with, um, what was his name? Uh, Like if someone's taking a chance on Carl Dahlstrom, Jesus, I think they're taking a chance on Slater Cuckoo here. Winnipeg might just scoop scoop him (laughs) up. They're just taking all our D man. They're like, we need all the help. We can get back here, boys. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, ah, it, uh, it's gonna make for a tough decision. Like, it's cuckoo having cuckoo is a nice luxury. Definitely, as a seventh defenseman, his you know he passed the eye test. He hasn't been terrific, but he you know he's done kind of what you expect Slater Cuckoo to do, and his, yeah. his possession numbers have been good for the Blackhawks. So, I think really we we kind of have three options here. Tony is what I look at it as. I think mm-hmm. we either. Wave Slater Cuckoo to try to send him to Rockford. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the likely choice. Not ideal, as none of these choices are really ideal, by the way. Yeah. The second choice is to send Adam Boquist back to the AHL, which mm-hmm. could still happen. And the third one is we move Eric Gustafson. Uh, because I think he's really the only defenseman we're itching to move right now. I don't think – I mean, may, maybe yeah. – like, I just don't see us trading Connor Murphy right now because he's been good when no. he's been in the lineup. And Ole Mata, I mean, he hasn't been great, but at times he's he's been he's been fine. Like, I don't think he's someone we're, like, ready to get rid of right now. I think it's just Eric yeah. Gustafson. Because it's tough to see Gustafson and Boquist on the same team. Yeah, they basically do the same thing, and – it's really unfortunate that the Blackhawks held on to Gustafson this long because his trade value just plummeted so bad. And that's like what, what I think about too is if uh, it probably wasn't part of the plans, but like if we were going to bring up Adam Boquist in the 11th game of the season, we 1000% should have traded Eric Gustafson this off season. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. Because when you have Keith and Seabrook in the lineup, which is going to happen 98% of the time they're going to be playing. You have two of your other spots on two guys that aren't great defensively when Keith and Seabrook are far out of their prime. That's, I don't care who you have as the other two spots. You have to roll two lines out there that you don't have full confidence in. And that's why you don't need both Boquist and Gustafson back there. Yeah. At, at this point, 
it's really hard seeing getting anything more than like a that's third what round I, pick I was for literally Gustafson. just thinking i would if if you said i'll give you a third round pick for eric gustafson i'd shake your hand right now hands hands out i'm shaking yeah. your hand deal bye that's gone because give me the pen. yeah where do, where do i sign <laughs> bud <laughs> but um that's kind of where we're at here is someone's got to go and none of the decisions are going to be easy because I, I think I, I don't think we sent Adam Boquist back. I, I really don't. At this point, I feel like he's too valuable to send back. Of course, this could all change in the upcoming games before Murph, Murphy is healthy. But yeah. if we're talking right here, right now, I have to choose either. I have to choose one of these three options. I'm choosing trade Eric Gustafson. And if it's for a fourth round pick, I might eat it. I might eat it. Yeah. I mean, if you can get a fourth rounder and like a low grade prospect, I would just throw like it. it it's just tough because we know we're not going to pay him this offseason. Like, especially for what he's yeah. done so far, there's no chance in hell I'm giving him money this offseason when we really don't have that no, much to be throwing all. around at all. And every day we don't trade him. That's pennies on the dollar because people know he's going to be a free agent this offseason. And why are they going to give up assets to get a guy that they could potentially just go get in free agency? So it's kind of the Blackhawks have to look in the mirror and understand, all right, well, we probably either have to lose a seventh defenseman who in a seventh defenseman role, he actually provides his good depth. I know this is kind of a tough topic when we don't really have a number one or number two defenseman. We're talking about the seventh defenseman here, but (laughs) Slater Cuckoo, he's been fine. Like, I think that's a luxury to have at the seventh defenseman. And like, I almost trust Slater. I'd rather have Slater Cuckoo in the lineup than, Eric Gustafson almost. If Gustafson's going to do this offensively. Honestly, Cuckoo is the better choice to start. Like, I would say like Slater Cuckoo is Slater Cuckoo. He's not going to do anything he's, that's going to wow you. He's yeah. big. He plays rugged in his own end. He's not going to chip in much offensively, but he, he's going to make the right plays more times than not. He's not going to give you a Gustafson Horrible defensive turnover. Just with, with Adam Boquist already in the lineup, I'd much rather have Slater Cuckoo in there than I would Eric Gustafson. I'd rather yeah. have a defensive guy in there that I know is at least going to step in front of some shots and be physical. Yeah, and at this point, the way that the Blackhawks are playing defense, I think Cuckoo fits more. I, I, I do too. I think that's what we need more of is we need more Slater Cuckoo than we need more Eric Gustafson, and that's why. That's really weird to say, but it it's is. true. It is. <laughs> we, we don't need a, a guy. Like, if Eric Gustafson's producing offensively, this is a different conversation, but he hasn't yet, and that's no. a big problem because that's literally all he does. <laughs> right, and now, and now watch, like, the next few games. Gustafson's just going to yeah, go Yeah, power off. plays back. The top triangle is just <laughs> rifling. Everything's fine in the back yeah. of the cage. Typical. Yeah, of course. That would happen. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, we're going to have to make a decision here about these defensemen, and um, I don't necessarily know if there's a right one, but we're going to have to make one. I think if they want to be safe, we might see Boquist go back. And that would also that, – That's a good call. Save his contract too. I think right with the night. Yeah, games. yeah. He's he's played three so far, so we could still throw him out there for yeah. uh, another five or six, and that's probably right around when Connor Murphy gets back. And if uh-huh. Boquist isn't maybe clear cut ready, the safe decision to not lose either Gustafson or Cuckoo is to send Adam Boquist back. Right, and then they could also hold on to Boquist for that extra yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we're already burning a year of Kirby Doc this year, so. 
maybe holding on to yeah. Boquist for another one. One, you know, it, it may if if Boquist and Doc both pan out to be studs, it could be tough to pay them both around the same time. At the same time, like Kane and Taze. Exactly, yeah. and I'm pretty sure do Kane and Taze have three more years of this deal right now. Uh, want to give that little question. Google guy for us real quick? I think I want to say they have three more years after this year. So if they push Boquist to one more, that could, you know, be something that they're paying attention to. Kane and Tate or Kane is through 22, 23. Yeah. They're they're both at 10, 10, five to 22, 23. So next three years. Right. So, Yeah. yeah, I think if the Blackhawks are really looking down the road, they know that Kirby Doc's going to have to get paid in the next three years. They might be able to use some of that money on Taze and Kane when they're done with those deals to sign a guy like Boquist. So definitely not out of the realm of possibility that Boquist does head back to Rockford. Yeah, that would be the safest. I do agree. I do agree with that. So something definitely to keep an eye on in the upcoming weeks, because something's going to have to give here on the Blackhawks defense. Uh, now I think is a good time to transition into a new segment of talk and hockey, which is a Q and a with the fans. Tony, first time doing this. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Interested to hear what the fans have to yeah, say. And we got some pretty good. We questions. do. We do. Uh, we asked the fans on Twitter to leave us with some questions they'd like answered on the podcast. And we uh, tried to get an answer here for most of them. Uh, so we'll start off with at Shane Skoll asked, uh, a couple questions here. The first one he asked is Adam Boquist NHL material yet, and will the Hawks keep him up for the long run? And then he also asked, what do the Hawks have to do to produce the offensive numbers that they did similar to last year? And is it too soon to pull the plug on Colleton? So looking at the first part of that question, Shane, uh, is Boquist NHL material yet? And will the Hawks keep him up for the long run? We kind of just talked about that topic. I think, um, he is ready. I do think he is ready for the long haul, but as we just said, the safe bet, I think, is to send him back to Rockford, but that also doesn't mean that's the decision yeah. that's going to be made. Certainly a lot can change right. in the upcoming days. Um, but as for saying, is he NHL material yet? I would say yes. I would certainly say he is very ready offensively, and although yeah. his defense is still a little bit of a question mark, he has been better than I thought so far. I think he certainly could be a 5-6 uh, on an NHL team for the long run this season. Yeah, Boquist right now is producing about as much as Gustafson, if not more. So I would say yes. Uh, yeah, and now that just because he's ready and he's NHL material, as we said, doesn't mean that's the decision that could be made when the time comes in the coming weeks. But I mm-hmm. would not be surprised by any means if the Blackhawks decided to keep Adam Boquist for the long run because he's been pretty damn good through his first three NHL contests. Yeah, so it really comes down to... What the management wants to do. Right. It depends if they want to keep him for the rest of the season or send him back and try to save his contract. Definitely something interesting that's going to uh, be happening in the next couple of weeks is the decision on Boquist. So looking at Mm -hmm. the second part of that question, Shane asked, what do the Hawks have to do to produce the offensive numbers that they did similar to last season? Wish there was an easy answer to this question because I'd be giving Jeremy Calton a ring right now. (laughs) Right. I mean, there's no question that they have the talent to produce as much as last season and more. Absolutely. I mean, we like – 
the fourth line has been so bad for the Hawks the last three seasons, and we finally have a, a fourth line and a third line that has some skill players on it, and we're just mm-hmm. not doing anything. And, and to me, that's it, it's Jeremy Colleton. I, I think I, I don't I don't know what you know I don't know what goes on at practice, and I don't know what he says in the locker rooms, but I feel right. like the Hawks they have to do something here to make themselves a tougher team to play against defensively because. Every defense can just read us like a book. They know where the passes are going. They know we're not a team that is going to dump the puck in and have great success. Right. So I would say, to answer that question, I would say consistency and repetition. Stick with the same lines, develop some chemistry, and shoot the puck. Get some bodies in front of the net. Make the simple play. Go to the dirty areas. Dirty goals count yeah. just as much as pretty ones do. And we haven't right. seen enough of that. We, we need Ned Fred presence. And, and I'm, I, I do like these lines. I think these are probably the lines they should be going on in the future. But if they continue to yeah. not work, we need to start throwing some guys that are ready to get chippy on the top lines. Like, we need to, get, we need to throw Kajula on there with Tazen Kane because that guy's a he's crash course for demolition. He's ready to hit somebody every time he's on the ice. And that might be something we need yeah. there because – we're now winning one-on-one puck battles enough where we need to, and that's the concerning part. Right. And do you remember last, I believe it was last February, when Kajula was up there with Taze and Kane? They went on a tear. Yeah, they were solid. I remember uh, yeah. this one game in particular, it was against Washington. Taze had a hat trick. Uh, Kane was balling out, and that was the top line. And it was like, wow, we can throw a guy like Drake Kajula on top line and have success. And, and – when, when we do yeah. that, it brings me back to the old Blackhawks teams that had success. 20, 2010 yeah. top line, what was the top line? Bufflin, Taze, Kane. 2013, when we won the cup, what was the top line? Bickle, Taze, Kane. Like, they need to play with someone physical yeah. if they're playing together because jo- Johnny can win board battles, but he can't do it all by himself. He needs some right. help there. And if the Blackhawks continue to struggle, they may have to go back to that big boy with Taze and Kane. Right. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Shaw, Saad, Kane line I would again, like too. that, too. They ha- have had success in the past. That was the second line back in 2014 when the Blackhawks yeah. lost that heartbreaker in Game 7 to the Kings. Should have been a three-peat. Should have been a three-peat. Oh, still too yeah, soon. <laughs> should have been a three-peat. With, uh, Nick Letty told him to beat it after that goal bounced it off his back. <laughs> Uh, Coach Q said, "Pack your bags, yeah, boy. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be here any longer." <laughs> but I mean, that that's a line that they have a little bit of everything there. Sodders, kind of, um, not to say he, he's Hosa or Taze, but he plays that style of game where he can go in front of the net, yeah. he can play a little skill game, and he can also be gritty. Andrew Shaw, go in front of the net and do what you got to do, bud. And then Patrick King can do all the pretty stuff, and yeah, you know. If I like the lines, but if they continue to struggle, something's going to have to give here because the Blackhawks are just too damn good offensively to be doing this. And I'm sick of it. I'm just yeah. sick of it. It's gross hockey to watch, man. And I just hate watching the Blackhawks <sighs> play this type of game because I grew up literally in the best years of Blackhawks history. And now I'm just so yeah. damn spoiled that I'm like, rah, 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 you guys suck. <laughs> like, it's just tough to watch, man. I just grew up on good hockey and that, now that's not getting it yeah. anymore, man. It's tough. That's the problem. We were we were really spoiled for about a decade. Oh, real bad. And now it's like the low of lows, and it's hard to watch. Yeah. 
it's almost like we reverted back to pre 08 09. Oh, don't say it. Don't do it to us. It's about don't to start a to whole us. new cycle. Oh, no, we don't need another 20 years of this, dude. <laughs> 2008, 2009, I was like, are we really going to restart this year? <laughs> Here we go. Hey, it actually worked out. <laughs> but yeah, so going yeah. back to that question, I mean, no easy, simple solution. I just think the Blackhawks got to put no. their head down and just be better, work harder. Something's got to change here. Pucks on that, repetition, consistency, and make the smart play. Absolutely. And then the last part of that question was, uh, is it too soon to pull the plug on Colleton? Um, I, I think, man, as I've said a couple times in this episode, I think the Blackhawks are going to do all in their power to show they were right about Colleton. But yeah. I, I'd say it's too soon now. I think even in November it would be too soon. But if we get yeah. around the All-Star game and this team is still struggling offensively, it's clear-cut that Jeremy Carlton isn't ready to be a head coach in the NHL. Yeah, I think my deadline would probably be around New Year's. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. That, that's a fair point. But at the same time, I think – Jeremy Colleton doesn't go unless Dan Bowman goes. No, this is Bowman's team, and that was Bowman's coach. And so I think that's a package. I deal. do too. I just don't see. I just don't see Jeremy getting fired before Stan. And, and the tough no. thing is, Stan has been. He, he's been better of late. Like we we've been drafting well. We just had a really good off season where we added some depth pieces and made some really good trades that benefited us. And yeah, it's. It's just tough to see that they're not panning out through 14 games. It's been a disaster, to say the least. And it's uh, it's a mix of both of those guys. I think it's early to fire Carlton. I don't think Carlton goes by himself. I think that's one that's going to, you know, we're going to clear out this organization. It could yeah, be McDonough, I, too. I think it could that, be McDonough, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a fair statement just overall. It covers all the areas because – John said he believe, he believes in this roster, so all three of them. They called us a playoff team a year ago. They said yeah. we were a playoff team. Are you fucking kidding me? Have some, <laughs> like, dude, this was before this offseason. Like, holy Christ. Yeah. This, this was before any of the trades too, right? It, yes. Like, he's – oh, man. It could be a slippery slope if things don't start to go well for the Blackhawks in the next couple of months, man. It's tough to kind of comprehend because this organization was so great. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, still one of the most prestigious organizations in all the professional sports. And to have to clear everybody out that's been so important to the city for the last 10 years would, would be really tough, man. And I really hope it doesn't get to that point. Right. So worst case scenario, are there any untouchable players at this point? Uh Besides the young kids, besides Doc and Bulquist, I think you can't move. You can't move. Well, besides, oh, well, the no movement clauses fuck it all up. Right. But I say you got to keep Kane, obviously, and you got to yeah. keep the Brinket. Mm-hmm. And, and Taze, Keith, and Seabrook aren't going anywhere they want to. So I think we're really stuck with that. Besides that, yeah. It, it's it, if you give us a, maybe Calvin Dahan, maybe Calvin Dahan, like okay. I don't know. If it's going to make our team better, you might have to move them because I think it's too early to go burning the ship in a, uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> to abandon ship here. But um, 
if we're if we're into the thick of things in December and January, I think you know there's no untouchables besides the no movement clauses and to break it. Yeah, I I would probably agree with that one. So who goes? What happens first? Trades or firings? That's tough. I would. I would, I would say, say some, firings. You you think so? I, yeah. I would say I would say. No, I wouldn't say trades plural. I would yeah. say trade. I think we move one defenseman, probably okay. Gustafson, before anything goes, and if nothing gets better, firings. I don't think we're. I don't think we're uh, – I think firings would happen before we're trading guys at the deadline. I don't think we'd get to the deadline if things continue to go like this. Yeah, I would agree. So I think it's a little early to pull the plug on Colleton, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like the Blackhawks, I'm pretty sure, were 6-6-2 six, six and six, six and two or something to start last season when they fired six, Quenville. 6-6-3. Six yeah, 6-6-3 six, six when they fired Quenville. Like this team's 4-7-4 yeah. and four, not trending in the right direction. So those yeah. numbers get uglier. I'm not ruling it out at, 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 by any means. Yeah. So moving on to the next question here, we got from at Jimmy Morrell. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, interesting question here. He asked for a point prediction for Dylan Secura. Interesting. Secura, of course, is uh, been having some success in the AHL for the Rockford Ice Hogs. He just had a hat trick a couple of days ago in his first game back from a suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, kind of as we've seen from Dylan Secura the last three seasons, continues to tear it up in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he been a great AHL player. It just seems like the NHL is his kryptonite. Right, and the tough part is he's had opportunities, and he's been playing on the top line, but he just hasn't been able to find the back of the net. And that's the concerning thing about it here is I know Dylan Secura has offensive skill but can he mm-hmm. show it in the NHL? And that's what makes this question so tough because I do think once the Blackhawks sort out all these defenseman problems and um, get their seven that they want to stick with, they'll call another forward up because they're only currently at 13 because they have eight defensemen. Mm-hmm. And I do think that Dylan Secura is the first one called up. And for how many games is a, is a tough question. What are, yeah. what are your thoughts on Dylan Secura if he does get a call up? If Sakura does get, call up. yeah, if when he does get a call up, the question I have is where would he even fit? I know it's tough because, and that's the weird part about it too. Tony is like, you look at our offense and it's like, oh, who do we scratch? And it's like scratch anybody. Nobody's been fucking doing anything, you know. <laughs> but like you look yeah. at it on paper, it's like, all right, who do you scratch? Probably Nylander. Well, you don't really want to do that. Uh, do you yeah. scratch Drake Kajula? I, I mean, you can, but he, he provides something that you don't have very much of in your offense. And mm-hmm. then, what, Ryan Carpenter? One of the only guys that can win a faceoff for our team. Like, yeah, it's tough. You don't scratch Kubalik. He's been good. Like, who do you really scratch here? Like, maybe David Kampf? Like, I'd be okay with yeah, that. But, like, he's also some, one, of the, like, one of the only guys that plays center. So, yeah. Zach, with Zach Smith not in the lineup, you almost kind of need Kampf in there as a center because it's not going to be Doc, really. Shaw hasn't played yeah. that much center so far this season. I mean, he probably could for a couple games, but long haul, you yeah. don't want Shaw playing center. You have it more of a luxury that he can go play faceoffs or go win faceoffs when someone gets kicked rather than you need him to win faceoffs. Right. So, huh. it's, it's tough to see where Dylan Secura fits. It really, it really I don't is know tough. If, I don't know if we can really even – give an accurate point projection because I know how often is he going to play? Where just, is he going to play? This is totally going out on a limb here. So sorry about that, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, I would say, 
I'm going to take a guess that <sighs> if he played a full season, probably right. If Dylan Secura played 82 games this season, I'd say he produced in the 20s. I'd say 25 to 30 points is what I'd say. Because yeah. I think he has 39 career games. Could you want you want to pull him up for me? Sorry if that's yeah, I could check that pain out. in the ass. Um, I want to <laughs> say he has 10 points in 39 games. I want to say. Let's see. He has 38 games played. Damn it. So you're close. Damn it. And, <laughs> and he has 11 points. Oh, my God. I'm off by one. We're close. Yeah, I was uh, close. But I would say the 25-point mark would be pretty accurate for me. Um, I think yeah. if I think realistically, Dylan Secura plays at most 25 games this season. And in those 25 yeah. games, I'd expect him to produce 5 to 10 points. Yeah, it, it also depends on his ice time, too, in those games. It's just a tough question all around. because it's, it's hard to answer. Because he could be a fourth-line winger, and he could also be a first-line winger, you know? Yeah. It's tough. Um, probably best-case scenario, I would say no more than 30. And then worst-case, I would say probably like 15. Yeah, you're talking 82, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um. It's just all about the opportunity for the kid. I definitely do like talking about Dylan Secura because he's someone in the pipeline that is just a gigantic question mark. Um, but we're going to see him at some point, and I think this time it's going to be the last time. If he if he doesn't show that he could play in this league, we're not going to see him. Like I'm pretty, This is the last year of his contract, and he's not going to come back if he can't play in the NHL. Yeah, I feel like this is his last chance. Absolutely, absolutely. So when, I'll say if, but when we see Dylan Secura, it's going to be really important that he makes never see him in a Blackhawks jersey again. Yeah, at this point, with with how deep the roster is, this could be his last chance. He's already 24, so, you know, he's getting up there. Not even close to being called a prospect anymore. Yeah, I'm not really sure who would even want to take a chance on him at this point either. It, it's tough. I mean, he's been given opportunities. I, someone would take a chance, but probably um, it's just tough to s- say that another team is going to give him a better opportunity than the Blackhawks will. You know what I mean? Like, right? He's someone that I mean, he he'll, he'll probably be on the fourth line some games, but they're going to give him looks. They're going to give him his looks, and I don't know if another team will give him that justice because, the, yeah. like the Blackhawks do with Colleton, they want to be right about Dylan Secura. Like no one wants to, you know, be told there or know their guy's a bust. Like you want to give all your guys the opportunity in the world to prove that he, we we drafted this guy for a reason here, and I think yeah. Secura will get that look. But if he doesn't capitalize on it, it's gone. So. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that, and I would also agree with your twenty-five points that's that's about right yeah that's what i think so uh interesting to see uh when dylan secura will be back in a blackhawks uniform uh moving on to the next question here tony we got at marden 11 asks uh, a couple questions first one is will brandon uh, could brandon sad be dealt at the deadline how are the young d-men developing in the minors and should kirby doc be playing in the top six so looking at the first part of that question, could Brandon Saad be dealt at the deadline? Um, hmm. You know, uh, he's been playing like so we were, well. Like we were saying with the untouchables, yeah. He's been playing so well that 
if he's still playing that way at the deadline, it would be really tough to move him because we've been yeah. we've been waiting for this Brandon Saad, and it's like right when we get this Brandon Saad, we're gonna really ship him. Like we could have moved him <laughs> any any time, maybe. Like, so I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say no. Um, I don't think Saad's someone they move. Uh, yeah, I think he just provides too much to this team in two ways, and he's someone that could be on the first line or the third line. He's very flexible and can do a lot of different things, like a Swiss Army knife. Right. I think the only way he goes is if this season is an utter failure. Unless we can get to like some high draft capital back or something. Yeah, I, I don't really see it. Um, I, I, yeah. I just think, you know, like I said, we finally got sad good. Like now, right. now just doesn't seem like the best time unless the season goes really right. far south, unless we're like a bottom two team in the NHL at the deadline. Yeah, and I think – Part of the reason why they wouldn't trade him too is because of the Panera and Saad trade. They don't want to have that blow up in their face even more. Right. So if we're in any position to uh, make a push for the postseason, I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah, I, th- I think Saad is going to stick around. Absolutely. So uh, second part of that question was, how uh, are the young D-men developing in the minors? So kind of kind of tough to say because we're so early into a season. A lot of these kids are so young. I got the uh, I actually got the uh, stats pull up on Elite Prospects. If you want to run through them, yeah, run through them. Let's get it. All right, so we will start with the recently acquired Alec. Is it Regula or Regula? Uh, Do you know how to pronounce I it? I don't know. I actually don't. I think Regula. Okay. Maybe I don't know. No, no idea. Okay, he's a newbie. We will have to look that up. He's a newbie. <laughs> yeah, so he is actually producing. 13 points in 12 games. Pretty good for a defenseman. Do you know how many he's uh, had in Rockford so far? Um, No, he's actually with London Knights right oh, now. Oh, right. I forgot. I forgot. I'm stupid. <laughs> no, no, no problem. I forgot he's not. He wasn't in the Red Wings pipeline yet. Yeah. But, and then. Yeah, I've been reading he's well, been good offensively for them this season. Yeah, six goals, seven assists. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, with a plus 15. Yeah, that's that's what you like to see there. Yeah, he's a good two-way defenseman. That, that's important in juniors is looking at their plus-minus because when it's a time they can dominate, they need to be dominating. Like, I remember, yeah. I remember Nicholas Bodan last season was like plus 60. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, like how do you even get that many? That's what I'm saying. So it's good, it's good to see that he's department. Not a significant then, stat, but in juniors, right. it's something that could be nuts. Right. And then moving on to Ian Mitchell. Mitchell is Stunned. producing – Pretty good right now, actually. Stud. Yeah, eight, eight games, ten points. Yeah, captain, and best team a, in college hockey. Yeah, and a plus five. He's going to be really solid for a long time. Big question with Ian Mitchell: Will he sign with the Blackhawks? Yeah, he's signing here. He they've asked him so much about it. And I think he's signing here. I just think. Yeah, I think he had unfinished business at Denver. He's still only a junior. Like, right. It's not like this was his senior season. He wanted to stay there all four. Like, this is his junior year. Had the opportunity to be a captain of a dope ass hockey team, like that's right. You know, one more one more year in college could be kind of tough. Pass up. It's like it's like Turcotte. Made... It's like Turcotte and uh, <laughs> Turcotte and Caulfield go to Wisconsin. Yeah. It's like you boys don't need to be there. Like, <laughs> yeah, you guys are just it, gonna it, tear it up. Maybe he just wants a party for another year. That's what I'm saying. Hey, Evans <laughs> the best of them. I'm in, I'm in my fifth year of college, so <laughs> I know I know what that's all about. <laughs> And moving on to <laughs> Jacob Galvis with Juke Juk, Juker it Juker it Juker it Okay, he's played 19 games, 
and produced 10 points, but he is a minus seven. So that's kind of questionable. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a, that's a tough league overseas. That's like one yeah. of the best overseas leagues. Um, Galvis, though, was someone during development camp that he caught my eye a couple times from the back end. He, yeah. He, he's someone that uh, I'm pretty sure he was a fourth round pick, I want to say, but he's someone it's... that I think uh, eventually he's going to be in Rockford. And I think may never be an NHL defenseman, but he has the potential to definitely. Yeah. I liked what I yeah. saw from him. Yeah. He's, he was a fifth round pick. Fifth I just checked pick, real yeah. quick. Close. Um, and yeah, I, I really liked what I saw from him in the uh, world juniors tournament. Yeah. 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 I forgot he was uh, with the Czech Republic for that. Yeah. He produced pretty well in that one. Yeah. So good to see, good to see Galvis, someone that not a lot of people think about when they uh, think about Blackhawks defenseman prospects. Yeah. He's a good one. He's a sleeper. Um, I don't know if you would consider him a prospect, but we do have Philip Holm next. I have Holm written down. I wouldn't call him a prospect, but he's someone that could be in the mix. Right. He has played 10 games with the Ice Hogs, produced six points with a two plus minus. Not too bad. Yeah, offensively, he he is strong offensively. I liked what I saw from him in the preseason. Uh, someone that yeah. was always putting the puck on net, which I love. He, he was finding ways to get – the puck from the blue line to the goaltender, which uh, is almost all you can ask for from a defenseman in the offensive zone. Yeah. Yeah, he was really accurate with the puck, and he was also smart. He had good positioning. Absolutely. Yeah, good, good. He had an impressive preseason. He made a push for that 17th man spot. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from him. He could – so if the Blackhawks do lose Cuckoo, Holm would take his spot. Yeah, I think he's someone that you don't need to play all the time. Like, he yeah. doesn't need to be in the lineup every night. He's a little older. But he's someone that when you do have to play him, it's not the end of the world. Right. And then moving on from Holm, the next defenseman on the list is Cole Moberg. Moberg. Dude, I liked him when I actually saw him at prospect camp. He was a seventh-round pick last year, I want to say. Yeah, last draft. He's a big boy. Yeah, he is. I Honestly, I could be wrong about this, but I think I read something about him that they haven't even solidified him as a defenseman. Like, he could still be a forward. I think he's played both. So, yeah. So right now he is listed as defense slash forward. Yeah, yeah, he's he's doing the big buff thing because he's gigantic. Bufflin, yeah. They're like, all right, go park your big ass in front of the net. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's producing too. He has six points in twelve games, one goal, five assists. Where is he again? Is he in? Uh, he is Prince. Prince yeah, George I thought he was. Cougars. I thought he was in Prince George. Yeah, he's in the WHL right now. Yeah, he's still got a little he, ways to go. Yeah, he has a minus 12, so he has a little bit of work to do. He's he's someone that could also be like a Swiss Army knife. I think we kind of just took him because of his size and yeah. he has potential there. Not a bad yeah, seventh-round pick, though. Could and he worse. was a really late late pick, too, so that's good value. Absolutely. Who we got next? Next, we got recently acquired Ian McCashin. Ian McCashin. So, been total, doing well. total, yeah. Total, he has played 12 games this season between Springfield and Rockford. And he has a total of five points, five assists. So not much offensively, but he is pretty solid defensively. So you can't complain. Yeah, that's more of the game he's known known to play. Yeah. We could see him at some point. Could see him at yeah, some point. Yeah, that could be a mid-season call-up or a late-season call-up, mm-hmm. depending on injuries. Yeah, he's been up uh, with the Panthers a couple stints over three years. Yeah. Next, we have Lucas Carlson. 
Lucas Carlson. Him and Tulola. Him and Tulola are two guys that don't get talked about a lot, but they're yeah. pretty solid defensively. Yeah. Carlson, pretty respectable two ways. Uh, not big on offense, though. Four yeah. points in ten games. Those aren't guys that aren't um, going to be lighting up the yeah. sheet. Yeah. He, he would probably be, a, at best, a seventh defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. Those aren't guys that are going to allow you, but they could be depth pieces later on down the line, which is all right. I mean, we have enough, yeah. we have enough offensive superpower on our uh, back end. Right. And then another guy to keep track of in Rockford is Chad Chris. Yeah, I had him written down. He hasn't played much, honestly. He played seven games and he only produced three points, three assists. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, uh, does he have 10 or eight? I know him or Bodan had the same three assists. Yeah, he has three assists. Is it eight games or 10? And here uh, for, for Chris? Yeah. Eight, right? He he actually only played seven. Oh, oh must have never wrong. But yeah, yeah. I, this, I, this is from Elite Prospects. Okay. Um, another guy that I don't know much about is Ryan Shea. Do you know much about him? Uh, I know he was. Uh, I think he's a northeastern boy. I want to say. Yes, he is at northeastern right now. Yeah, I don't know much about him. I don't know too much about him, but he has three points in eight games. Um, northeastern's a good Al- program. Yeah. Uh, Sakura was from there, actually. Absolutely. Was played there for uh, four damn years. <laughs> Guy loved it, and, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, next, we have Alex Vlasic, second-round pick of this past draft. And he's in Boston University right now. Uh, two points in seven games. Not much, but uh, he's still learning. He has some uh, time to grow. He's going to be awesome. I really love him. Yeah, he plays really good two ways. I was going nuts when we drafted him. I remember that. I was like, I was running around my living room. I was going crazy. <laughs> I was so pumped. I was really excited because most scouts were giving him a first round grade. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was waiting for his name to get called when it was coming up to us in that second round. I was like, please no, please no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so happy. That was a, that was that was a good second round pick right there. Really good value. Uh, next we have Jake Rizek or Rychek. Uh, he's playing with the Indy Fuel. Seven games, two points. Not much there. Yeah. Uh, he's still pretty young, but I don't know if he's really an NHL player. Yeah, he was at camp too. I didn't really see all that. It didn't do anything to catch my eye. Yeah, I think he might be a borderline AHL, NHL player. Um, next, I don't know much about him, but we have Josh Joshua Josh S. S. Yeah, Joshua S. Uh, he, wow, what did he do? Pretty sure he, oh, God. No, I can't be right. Oh, no, that's that's what it was. He got absolutely dangled by Boquist at development camp. That's why. Okay, that's who it was. He was the dude that Boquist walked and got on the top ten plays. (laughs) With that nasty between the legs one? Yeah, that was him. That was Josh S. (laughs) Okay, so so rest in peace. Yeah, he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, not a great look, but he has eight games, two points. That's okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Bo- Bodine. Bodine. Not much. Not much. Nine games, two points. Yeah, I saw that. Um, well, it's his first nine professional games, basically. So it's, it's, yeah. it's so early with these defensemen, you know, like we're not that far into a season. But right. I do want to say that um, a lot of offensive players in Rockford that um, as the season goes along, it's going to be interesting. Inter- yeah, interesting to see how they handle their own in the own in their own zone. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big question mark with all these prospects. 
Yeah, plus I've also heard that it takes longer for defensemen to, to develop over forwards. It's just a tougher game. I mean, you have more ground to cover, yeah. so much responsibility. Yeah. It's crazy. It's going to take a little while for some of these defensemen to get up to speed. I would say, though, that um, there's a plethora of prospects there. And, and um, going because a lot, lot of reason to be optimistic, I, would, I should say. Yeah. There's definitely some upside with most of these guys. Um, next, we have a guy you just mentioned a few minutes ago, Tulola. Yeah, Yoni Tulola. Yeah, (laughs) that's a fun one. He has played, let's see, 10 games, two points. He's not a a big offensive producer. Yeah, no, he's a defensive guy. He he played solid with Carlson, though, uh, in the preseason. He had some chemistry there. So, I think, overall... um, it, it none of these. I mean, not many of these guys are going to be getting call up. I really only think Phil yeah. Holm could be. But down the line, there's there's a lot of opportunities here with the guys yeah. that we do have. Even with uh, Dennis Gilbert too, he he showed that he could play in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, he he's a, a big boy that loves to play to his strengths, which is physicality, which is something the Blackhawks don't have a lot of on the back end. So awesome to see that uh, he handled his own in uh, his first real NHL stint despite having uh, been called yeah. down or sent down uh, earlier this afternoon. Um, going on to uh, the third part of your question, Jimmy, uh, should Kirby Doc be playing in the top six? What are your thoughts top on Top six for Doc. Um, I would say not right now, maybe down the line. Um, he still needs to get his feet wet in the NHL yeah. and he needs to learn how to um, play physical and also not get run over constantly. Yeah. He's, he's been kind of uh, exposing himself to some big boys, which I'm sure the front office isn't too happy watching their number three overall pick. Yeah. Crunch. It's like at least once a game, right? Yeah, for real. Like he, he gets laid out once a game. I'm he's like, averaging oh, one suck. big hit a game. <laughs> yep. <laughs> tough, tough for the kid, dude. But he takes it like a champ. Yeah. It's not a question of skill. It's a question of experience. No. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think third line's fine where yeah. he needs to be right now. Um, I do think if uh, – I, I just think the only way he's playing in the top six is if he's playing center mm-hmm. and Strom's struggling at the faceoff dot. Yeah. But Doc hasn't been any better, so it's like – Yeah, I mean – It's tough. Yeah, I, I feel like – He's going to need to work on those face-offs this next offseason. Definitely. I don't think he's going to be able I don't think he's going to be able to really improve that during the season much. Yeah. You don't have a lot of practices. You're, you know, you're on the go a lot in the NHL with this yeah. grueling schedule that Jonathan Taves hates. But um, yeah. you know, it's just it, it like you said, it's not a matter of skill. He has the skill to be a top 6 forward and he's going to be a guy that's going to be there for a long time, so I'm okay with where he is right yeah. now. I think it's a, a fine role for him. There's no need to rush him, but he that's his spot in the future. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree that that's fine for him right now. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to our next question, we have at ND Blackhawks fan asked, uh, who is Jeremy Calton's future replacement? I think we can both agree that the Blackhawks brought in Mark Crawford as their assistant coach as a security yeah. blanket in case anything did go wrong. 
Yeah, I would say Crawford is probably their contingency plan. He's probably been the backup plan the whole time. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. He's got he's got good coaching experience, but been around the league in a bunch of different roles, bunch of different teams. So I think that would yeah. certainly make sense, especially if Jeremy's fired midseason. If Jeremy's fired midseason, there's no doubt it's Crawford. Yeah, he he will most likely be the interim coach that if anything happens. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. Uh, if it does, if Carlton like it's fired in the off season per se, it could be a, a slew of guys. But if uh, if it's happening uh, on the go, Mark Crawford's the next man up for that job. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's really many viable candidates out there. Do you know of any besides Crawford? You know, off the top of my head, I can't say I do. If I looked at, if I got a, a list of them or something, I could say there's probably two or three I'd like to have. But yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't say, you know, there's someone that's going to fit in well or better than Mark Crawford would as, right. you know, at the time being. So one, one coach that I do. Something that could happen if. Yeah. What are you saying? I was going to say one coach that came to mind was Daryl Sutter, the former Kings Ooh, coach. Oh, that would be interesting. Imagine how pissed Kings fans would be if they saw Daryl Sutter. <laughs> that would be. Kings would be like, God damn. Right. We've dubbed you for the last set, or not really. We just traded blows back and forth. Yeah. It... All right, Tony, we got one more question here coming from at ND Myers. Uh, kind of a toughie we had here. Uh, he asked, in a world where Stan Bow gets fired, let's talk about potential replacements. And, and we both kind of talked about this question uh, before we recorded the episode. And yeah. It's just kind of a tough one to say, like off the top of my head, who could just slide it in BGM? Like, I, I like it's just a tough question to grasp overall, and we both like yeah. didn't really know how to answer that like correctly. That's like, a tough one because we don't really follow that market very closely. Exactly, it's not like I could just go Google NHL free agent GMs. Like, yeah. it's just like people that have been involved in organizations for a while that know the business side of hockey well, you know. Yeah. So um, we both kind of agreed, uh, Nick, that we are going to come back to this question. We are going to do some research because we want to get an answer to you. Uh, but it's just not something we're, like right now. We just be throwing names out there to tell you the truth. Yeah. Man. Right. Right like, now, I can maybe think of Chris Chelios. <laughs> is Chris what you Chelios. Said yeah. Like, yeah. Does that guy have any experience in Oregon? I don't know. But he sounds, I don't think so. he sounds like a good fit, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I that's just don't a, that's know. honestly a really tough question because we don't know much about that side of the sport. Yeah, it, it's a tough one. But as we said, Nick, um, we are going to do some research there because we want to get you an answer. Don't want to leave any questions or any stones unturned. I do have one that I don't want. Is, oh, yeah, let's hear it. I know who this is going to be. <laughs> do you know Peter uh, Chiarelli? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need that let's guy. Let's stay away from him. We don't need that guy making any trades for our organization. <laughs> Jesus, what a nightmare! Just a reminder that he <laughs> just a reminder that he traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, by the way. And no, we no also got Drake Kajula. Yeah, that was a steal. We got what? It was Drake Kajula for Brandon Manning. Yeah, Drake. It was Drake Kajula and uh, Jason Garrison, who we waived. Yeah. Um, the second he the second he was part of that deal, he for, wanted no part of for Chicago. Brandon Manning and Robin Norrell, a, a scrub of a throw in right there, just an <laughs> AHL player. So like we literally just stole Drake Kajula off their hands. So yeah, definitely yeah. don't need Shirelli being our GM, but 
yeah, we will uh, get more information on that topic and certainly get an answer next episode when we do the Q&As for you, Nick. Uh, but that's all we had for the fan questions. Hope we answered uh, everybody's. Um, I made sure that uh, at least prior to us recording the episode, I jotted all of them down so we can get all you guys because we appreciate you asking the questions and we uh, appreciate you tuning in to listen to the podcast. Uh, so I think that's a good spot to wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you so much to the lovely listeners out there. We really appreciate it more than you know, guys. Uh, make sure to check out the Talking Hockey blog on Twitter, at Talking Hockey, for full Blackhawks coverage and live tweeting of every game. Tony, as always, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to record this with me. I know it's late, um, so I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a while, and we had a lot to catch up on. Absolutely, yeah. We hope to start cranking these episodes out more and more as the season goes along. We'll try to have at least one a week is what we both agreed on. And yeah, yeah. So we are going to uh, be pushing content for you guys because uh, we know there's lots to talk about all the time, and we don't want to leave you hanging. So from Jack Bushman and Tony Gianaris, go Hawks and make our defense great again. Thank you, guys. Peace.